Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as our guest speaker delivers this week's message. Hey, it's good to see you. Aren't you glad to see me? (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I've got to say this. Um, It was a long time ago, but I was at Calvary Baptist Church. So some of you probably remember me, right? (laughs) It was when the Chicago Bears won the Super Bowl. So that's how long it's been, right? In other words, I'm old. So, you know, the cliche is, I'm glad to be here, but I'm glad to be anywhere at my age. You know how that goes, right? But seriously, it was a long time ago, but I still remember this church. What a great church it was and is, right? Was and is. We want to see God really move in a great way during this time. Now, uh, I also, it hasn't been, well, it's still a long time ago. I came back another time and spoke. It was, uh, I've got a pretty close friend. As a matter of fact, he's my best friend, and his name is Chuck Holt. Now, I know, don't hold that against me, please. <laughs> Chuck was my youth guy for a number of years. We've been, we've been buddies for 25 years. Even though he worked with me, we're still friends. So I, I kind of chalk that up and say that's pretty cool. And uh, then, of course, this weekend, we get to hang out with Joe and Vicki, and um, we're still alive. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm saying they've taken pretty good care of us, actually. So we appreciate them so much. I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. At least to Vicky, right? So, um, now for me, uh, you're wondering what, what do you do now? Well, I try not to do much, you know. Uh, probably about six, I think a little over six years ago, I decided it's time for me to retire as the lead pastor. So, I did that. My son-in-law became the pastor of the church that I was the lead pastor of. And my wife and I decided we would move to Florida to retire. So we moved to Florida. And um, while I was there, my son-in-law's brother had a church. And he said, hey, I want you to come on staff. So I went out of retirement and became a staff member at this church. And I was working harder as a staff guy than I was a lead pastor. And I said, after two years, I said, I've had enough of this. I'm going to retire again. So... And then we decided, okay, we've had enough of Florida. We're going to move back to Kansas. And you're like, why in the world would you do that? Well, for one reason, I've got my wife and I, we have 16 grandkids, just so you know. Uh, I know we don't look that old to have that many grandkids. But anyway, we have that many grandkids. So we had three in Florida, 13 in Kansas. And God has blessed us so much. And I, I, you know, if you want to see my grandkids... I have pictures of them. I'll show them to you. Yeah, really. And so we even have a set of triplets, and they're pretty amazing. Three little guys that are eight years old now. They're identical. And our daughter, oldest daughter, she had three boys, found out she was expecting surprise, surprise, surprise. And it was even more of a surprise when they told her it's triplets, and they're all identical. So, you know, it's it's really kind of fun for us. But anyway, that's my story. Now, let me get into what I want to share with you today. And I I will say this. I'm praying for Calvary Baptist Church during this time of transition. It's a major deal. You know, it's not an easy thing to 
see one pastor leave and then another guy come in. And, you know, this guy coming in, he doesn't know you and you may not know him. It's a tough time. So, you know, I'm praying for you and I'm sure you're praying too. But I know that God will work things out in a major way. Now, what I would like to share with you today is something that really is kind of on my heart because I think it's something we all need to understand. You know, in John 10, 10, it's a familiar passage of Scripture. It tells us that Jesus came to give us life, right? He did. He came to give us life, but doesn't stop there. He said, I want to give you life to the full. Do you know what that means? It actually means, in another translation, he said, I want to give you abundant life. Now, you know, I, I like the title of my message today. It's called, Are You Serious? Well, are you serious about having abundant life? But do you know what that abundant life actually is? It's a rich, full, satisfying, abundant life. Now, because of Jesus Christ in our life, we can have that rich, full, satisfying, abundant life. But if you're like me, there are times that I say, wow, man, I'm, I'm just kind of struggling. Would, would you agree that there's times in your life when you've really struggled and it's hard to say, okay, God, I'm not for sure if I have that abundant life. Well, I, I hope that I can help all of us today in understanding how that we can have, if you're serious, about having that rich, full, satisfying life. Now, I have a number of passages of Scripture that we're going to look at today. We're going to start here with a passage that is found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. And it's all in your notes. And Joe said he tweaked my notes some, so I'm not for sure how this is going to come out. If it doesn't turn out good, it's his fault, not mine. Okay? So we good with that? Okay. Now, in Matthew 16, verse 24... It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and what? What? One more time. Follow me. me. Now, that's something that we need to understand. Did you realize that the Christian life is all about following Jesus? It's all about following him. And sometimes when we stray away or we don't really have that satisfying, full life, rich life, abundant life, it's because we failed somewhere along the line. And could it be that we failed in not really following Jesus? We kind of get sidetracked and we kind of start doing our own thing instead of following Jesus. Well, once again, it goes back to the title of the message today, are you serious about following Jesus Christ? Are you serious about finding the life that God has for you? Are you serious about that? Most people are just kind of nonchalant about Christianity today. Most people today, it seems like from my perspective, well, let's just get this checked off. We're going to come to church on Sunday and and, 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 and get that out of the way because we have so many other things that we need to do. So we're going to get that checklist taken care of. Church is one of those things. Once again, what I'm saying is sometimes, and, and I'm included, we're, all, we're, we're not always as serious as we should be when it comes to following Jesus Christ. 
So I want to see if I can help all of us this morning. You know, uh, in the book of Luke, there are three guys that are mentioned there that I think are just great examples of how they were then, but how we are today. And it's, once again, I'm sure it's familiar, you know what this is about, but three guys. And the first guy is found in chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, verse 57. And it says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, Jesus, he said, I will follow you wherever you go. Man, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? I mean, here, here's a guy who is positive in his following or his serving of Jesus. He said, hey, hey Lord, wherever you go, I will follow you. Now, I would like for all of us to be able to make that claim today. Wherever you go, Lord, I'm going to follow you. But, you know, Jesus is God in the flesh, right? Come on, help me out, right? So Jesus knows everything that we think, everything that we are going to say, and everything that we're going to do before we ever do it or say it or think it. So this guy, even though he made the statement, wherever you go, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Jesus knew what the guy was thinking about. And it kind of goes along with what sometimes the disciples were even thinking at the time that they were with Jesus because he was declared to be the king of kings, right? Because he was declared to be the king of kings, people who were following him were saying, Hey, I want to cash in on that, and that's kind of a fill in the blank there. I want to cash in on who he is because he's going to be the king, and I'm hanging with the king. And if the king is going to be able to set up his throne and do all of this, then I'm going to benefit. I'm going to be a part of the popularity committee. I'm going to be a part of benefiting. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be all right. So this guy was saying, hey, God, I want to follow you because I want to cash in on being with the king and the benefits that come with it. Jesus said to him, I think it's pretty cool. He said this. He said, verse 58, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Is that a benefit? (laughs) Thinking, nope, I'm glad that Joe and Vicki allowed us to have a bed to sleep in last night. Uh, yesterday morning, we were leaving Topeka, Kansas, and we drove past uh, the parking lot of Target. We have Target in our city, which I hate. My wife loves it, but I hate Target. But anyway, we're driving past Target on 21st Street, and there was this person laying underneath a plastic tarp that had the uh, grocery cart full of stuff. And I'm thinking, and it was 40 some degrees when we left. I'm like, That's not a benefit that I want any part of. You know what I'm saying? This is what Jesus was telling the man. Hey, if you're following me because you're going to get wealthy and healthy and popular, you're barking up the wrong tree. It's not going to happen. And sometimes I think we have that in mind. Man, I want to follow Jesus because, you know, there is a gospel that says I can be healthy, wealthy, and popular. Uh, It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't. 
But if you're serious about following Jesus, you need to keep that in mind. That was one guy. The second guy came along, verse 59. He said, Lord, you know, the guy said, hey, I want to follow you. Jesus said, follow me. He said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Well, that sounds legit, right? Sounds legit. I mean, after all, who doesn't want to go home and bury their father before you follow? But once again, Jesus, all-knowing, what the guy said was, in essence, when my father does die, then I will follow you. In other words, when the time comes and when it's convenient for me, I will then follow you. Doesn't that sound familiar today? Man, hey, hey, I'm going to come to church if I don't have anything else to do. Hey, hey, I will serve. I'll be a part of even what they announced here this morning. I'll be a part if it's convenient for me. If I don't have anything else going on, I'm good with it. I'll be right there. No big deal. I'll be there. I mean, it's so typical of how people are today. The guy's dad had not passed away. If he were dead, Jesus would have gone to the funeral, maybe raised him from the dead. Who knows? I don't know. But this is what the guy's saying. Hey, let me go home, and when that takes place, when my dad passed away, then, then I'll follow you. But right now, I just have too many things going on. When it's convenient for me, then I'll serve you. Jesus goes on to say in verse 60, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That's number two guy. Number three guy, he said this, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Well, that seems logical, right? Seems logical. Hey, you know, if you're going to follow someone, let me go pack a few things and say goodbye to the family, and we're all good. But the passage doesn't really share that with us. The idea that the man has in reference to this is, hey, let me go home and make sure my family's all good with this. Then I will follow you. Now, I've been in ministry for a long time. Even though I'm retired, Obviously, I'm still doing ministry. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here, right? You guys are sleepy or what? I don't, I don't know. Here. Just kind of want to make sure we're all good. Uh, so anyway, over the course of time, all these years, I've had a lot of people that have been a part of the churches that I've been the pastor of. And it's really great when they come to know Jesus Christ, their personal Savior, because, you know, they leave the old things, build all things become new. So here they are in a church like this church, but their family is still in another church, and things are different now. Now, if suppose this person has accepted Jesus Christ, their personal Savior, they want to follow the Lord in baptism, so they go home and tell their family who's not in a church like this, they say, hey, would you come to church with me because I'm going to be baptized through immersion in the water, da-da-da. And the family says, What? You were baptized as a baby. You don't need to be baptized again. So Jesus saying to this guy, hey, look, if you're going to follow me, it's all about commitment and making me number one in your life. That, in, 
That includes making me number one over your family. That's tough, isn't it? Man, that's what Jesus is saying. Make sure that I am number one. If you're following me, make sure that I'm number one in your life. Now, we want the abundant life. Are you serious about that? Having that rich, satisfying, full, abundant life? Commitment is a major, major key as it relates to that. Now, if you're serious about having that kind of a commitment with having a relationship with God, you know, the Scripture is really interesting as it compares that relationship with Him and us like a marriage. Because aren't we called the bride of Christ? And I, you know, I'd love to talk about this. My wife might not like for me to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. I'll have to answer her afterwards, but anyway, we're okay right now. Now, my wife and I have been married a long time. Can I tell them how long? No, okay. A long time. <laughs> but the day that we stood before the minister, and, you know, we were expected to say this and that, I did not say to her, hey, I'm going to give this a try and see if it works out. If you meet my expectations, then we'll stay together. If you don't meet my expectations, we'll just go our separate ways and call it good. I didn't say that. Good thing, because I probably wouldn't be alive today. I don't know. I didn't say that. That's not what she wanted. She wasn't interested in that kind of commitment. Rather, she wanted a commitment that's threefold. Now, here I'm going to give you a little marriage counseling. So, couples, are you ready for this? It's not in your notes, so it's additional, but it's really good. Threefold commitment that we need to have for our mates. Are you ready? Are you ready? Some of you are not ready. Joe, you ready? I know you need this one, buddy. I know, I know. Here it is. Number one. There needs to be a lifelong commitment. Now, she wasn't interested in a trial run. Not at all. That's number one. Number two, she wanted supreme commitment. In other words, she wanted to come first above all others. And number three, she wanted exclusive commitment, meaning she wanted us to experience things that only the, only the two of us could experience. And I'm telling you, if you put that down and apply it to your marriage days or life, it's going to be extremely helpful because commitment is a key. You know, in all the years that we've been married, we've been married 51 years. I've, I'm going to say it anyway. So anyway. <laughs> See, hon, it's good. We, you know. So in all the years we've been married... What if I had not fulfilled my end of the bargain? In other words, what if I would not have been totally committed to her? Would our lives be the same as it is now? I honestly don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if, you know, we would experience what we experience today like we experience it 
We enjoy life together. We're empty nesters, but we still get to see our kids and our grandkids. We get to live life together. And it's really kind of satisfying. It's really full. It's rich. But if it had not been for commitment, I'm not for sure where we'd be. Here's something you need to understand. Out of commitment flows life. You want that abundant life that only God can give. If you're serious about that, you need to understand commitment. Commitment is huge. Now, if you think that our relationship with Christ is based on performance and not grace, you're totally wrong. You need to realize what grace and commitment are and how they go together. Now, when it comes to heaven, that's all about God. That's his gift to us, and there's not a thing that we can do to earn heaven. We just need to humbly say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. I confess those sins to you, and I want your son as my personal Savior today. Man, if you've never done that, this is the ticket. This is the key to really having that full, abundant life, accepting Jesus Christ. But that, from that point on, it's all about commitment. You know, when... My wife married me, she gave me herself, and that was grace. In other words, I got what I didn't deserve, but she is mine, mine. You know, when we think about commitment, it's all about, you know, doing that and and, and loving him and and being who he wants us to be. Now, I, I think sometimes in our life, we kind of, really don't have that closeness that we need to have with God. And, and I, I think about that a lot of times, and I ask myself, is this God's fault because I'm not as close to him as I should be? Of course, the answer is no. It's not his fault. It's my fault. Because I've let things come in between that relationship that I need to have with him. I'm not committed enough. You know, I've got to tell you one more thing. After our wedding... All those years ago. And I still remember it like it's yesterday. Don't you guys? That was really quiet. I'm sorry. That was really bad. Anyway, we're leaving the church. And I've got this little 60 Chevrolet that's two-door sedan. We both get in on the driver's side. And she's sitting real close to me. I started to tell you... I put my hand on her knee, but I, I wasn't going to tell you that. But anyway, we're leaving for a honeymoon, and I'm thinking, wow, it's so cool that she's that close to me. But now, you know, I've got the console, got seat belts, can't do that anymore. You know what my point is? There are so many obstacles that get in our way of being close to God these days, right? I mean, so many things. And I'm all into sports. I, I, you know, my kids played sports. I love it. But sometimes we kind of place that a little higher than it should be. It could be even an obstacle. Maybe it's our job. I don't know. So many obstacles that are there that keep us from really, really having that relationship or the commitment that we need to have with God. It's really kind of sad. You know, I think I want to share this with you and I'll close It comes from Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. We hear this a lot during missions conference time. And I want to use it in a different way to help us to understand. If we're serious 
about really making the commitment that we need to have and being close to God, there are three things that come out of this passage of Scripture. It's familiar. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, three things to help us in our commitment. The first one, make disciples. What's he talking about here? He's talking about, I want my people to put their trust and faith in me as their personal Savior. So the first area of commitment, if you're wanting real commitment, it's accepting Christ as your Savior. Right? Isn't it cool to say, hey, I know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. You know, I'm not getting younger, I'm getting older. I know one of these days, I'm not going to be on this earth anymore. But you know, I'm not real worried about it because I know where I'm going. Had a buddy of mine, we were in Bible college together. And Friday afternoon, he, they had his funeral. He passed away at 71. And I was listening to all the comments made. And man, it, it, it was so cool to hear the stories that were told about the influence that he had and how they loved God. And he wasn't worried about his eternal destiny. You talk about something that's special. Our salvation is so special, and sometimes we lose a perspective. Oh, yeah, I know Christ. Really? That's the greatest thing that you can ever do or know. Salvation. Right? And we just kind of, eh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. Really? Do you live? Are you following? Are you totally committed? That's it. Second thing, obedience. He uses the word baptism. Now, that's just an act of obedience. Now, baptism will not save you. You know that. It's, a, it's an outward expression of what's taken place inside because of salvation. Now, obedience is so important as it relates to having that abundant life. Are you really obeying? Are you following Jesus? That's the second thing. The third thing that comes from this passage of Scripture is learning. You know, talks about in this verse, use the word teaching, teaching them. Well, I think that as a Christ follower, you need to continue to learn until you take your last breath. Can I ask you something? Do you know everything that's in the Word of God today? Oh, so you're not, not there yet. In other words, none of us are there yet. We need to continue to learn. We need to know Christ. We need to be obedient. And we need to learn everything that He wants us to know. And we, when we do that, the benefits will be ours. Now, I have benefits because of God in my life that are just unbelievable. Unbelievable. I experience the benefits of God every day of my life. As a matter of fact, when I get out of bed, that's a benefit. When I take a breath, that's a benefit. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but you get the point. 
what I'm saying to you this morning is this. Are you serious? Are you serious about following Jesus Christ? That's the key this morning, and I hope that motivates you to get more excited about doing what God wants you to do and being what God wants you to be. Oh, it's so important. So, so, so important. There are people out there that do not know Jesus Christ, their personal Savior. Do we care? Do we care? What are we doing about it? Are you serious in your commitment to Jesus Christ? That's the question. Would you please bow your heads, close your eyes, just asking that of you today. So many times in delivering a message, you know, there's a commitment element that takes place in the life of every preacher as he shares the word. It has to touch him first or her. And certainly that's me today. But I'm going to ask you a question, actually a couple of questions with your heads bowed and eyes closed. No one's looking around. As a matter of fact, I can't even see you. How many of you know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior? Would you raise your hand as a testimony? As a testimony. Isn't it cool to be able to do that? I don't know where I'm going. Eternal. Heaven's my eternal destiny. Thank you. Put your hands down. How many of you want to really commit yourself today to following Jesus Christ I mean, if you're serious about that, you know him as your personal Savior. You want to be obedient to him, and you want to learn everything he has for you. I mean, you're just going to give yourself to him. Would you raise your hand and say, hey, hey, I'm in there. I'm in here. I'm in here. Yes, hands up. Yeah, 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 great. Super, super, super. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for everyone who's raised their hand this morning, everyone. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would just be with every person in this room, including me, because my hands both are up. God, I want to follow you. I know commitment is the key. God, sometimes there's a lack of that. God, I want that abundant, full, rich, satisfying life that only comes from you and through you. God, this morning I'm praying you would help me. God, help me, help me, help me, but not only me, but every person Raise your hand. I'm even going to go on beyond that. Every person in this room, even if they didn't raise their hand, Father, I'm praying that they would just commit themselves to you today. They would get past all the obstacles that keeps them separated from you. Draw them close, God. Draw them close. It's like we've got the bench seat and the obstacles are out of the way. We're together. God, help this be a precious, precious moment today. God, may your Holy Spirit touch hearts and lives today. If there's someone even online that's listening or watching, and they've never accepted your Son as Savior, I pray that today would be the day where they would just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the sins that I've committed. Forgive me. And God, may your Son Jesus come into my heart today and be my Savior. God, we love you, and we thank you for allowing us the privilege of worshiping together in this place. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.